Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Print Design Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins. Thanks for stopping by and checking us out. You know what's over here talking print, talking awesome print projects. Today is a fantastic episode, one that I was really excited to do, and uh, I learned a ton on this one, and I'm pretty sure you will too. Before I tell you who today's guest is, look, if you're a graphic designer and you're seeing all those awesome labels out there that are designed by other creatives, you're looking at awesome packaging, you're getting direct mail in, you know, in your mailbox, that's really cool, and you want to learn how to create those tangible objects, create that print. Let us help you and teach you how. Head over to printdesignacademy.com. We got some free stuff there for you to check out. We've got a craft beer label course for you. We also have print design mastery where we are teaching you to be an expert at print design. And it's super affordable. Made it really affordable for people to get into because we just want more designers out there creating awesome print. That's it. Printdesignacademy.com. Check it out. Now, today's guest is Lindsay Burke from Resolve Press. Now, I came across Resolve on Instagram a while back, and I'd been following them and checking out their work, a lot of it because I was really curious about Rezo printing. I was new to Rezo printing. I came from like the offset world. I was familiar with letterpress and offset and digital and flexo, those sort of things. But Rezo was new to me. So I was excited to get into this episode and just learn more about it. And Lindsay had awesome stories to share, great stories about how the business got up and going, and lots of other fun stuff too. So this isn't really a graphic designer tell us about how you made a project. It's more of like a a printer, like a conversation with a printer who creates awesome stuff for designers out there. We talk about a couple of projects in particular. Um, One of them actually had the opportunity to interview the designer of after this interview. So pretty sweet there. Okay, that's enough out of me. You just want to hear from Lindsay. I don't blame you. Ladies and gentlemen, my fantastic guest, Lindsay Burke from Resolve Press. Hit the intro. Welcome to the Print Design Podcast, the show where we talk about all things print and packaging. We go behind the scenes with designers and talk about the print projects they designed that really rock their world. From file prep to holding the finished product in their hand and all the key decisions in between. So let's talk ink on paper. Hey, Lindsay, welcome to the Print Design Podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. No, it's my pleasure. You guys are creating some pretty awesome work. And every few episodes, I like to do these like interviews with a printer kind of thing to get like, a, you know, hear what's going on in the industry and in the biz. And um, so that's what one of these are. And I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, to talking about it. <laughs> awesome. Well, before we get into some of the other questions about projects and talking about some of the cool stuff, um, I want to let the listeners know a little bit more about you and a little bit more about Resolve and what you guys got going on. Um, so first up, I'll kick it over to you. Tell us about yourself. Sure. So my name is Lindsay Burke. I grew up uh, outside of Seattle in Redmond, Washington, and uh, 
got into graphic design through just working on projects in high school and ended up going to art school on the East Coast. I graduated from uh, RISD, Rhode Island School of Design in 2014 and always loved uh, print design. Just couldn't get enough of it, wanted to do it for a career, had such a hard time finding a career in print design out of school. <laughs> so I looked for jobs for a while, ended up uh, working basically as an in-house graphic designer for a company based in Everett, Washington, uh, okay. Fluke. They make um, electronic testing equipment. Multi oh, yeah, yeah. I was As soon as you said the brand name, I was like, I know Fluke. Um, oh, you do? Yeah, because my we were just chatting before I hit record. My previous career direction was custom car audio. So like they were right. fluke multimeters were like really popular for like testing connections and leads and electronics and stuff. Yes. Yeah. If you're in that industry, then you automatically know about them and you know what color the tools are. They're very specific yep. yellow. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so I, I worked for them for about two and a half years, just as an in-house graphic designer working mm -hmm. on website materials, some print materials, um, but wasn't, didn't ever feel like it was the right fit or where I wanted to be forever. Um, always still wanted to do print design in some way or fashion. Uh, and ended up starting Resolve a little bit unexpectedly or haphazardly. Um, and part of that is the story of me meeting my now husband. Um, so I was on an online dating app looking for love <laughs> and started talking to this guy who uh, was working on container ships in the South Pacific as a bosun. He was a merchant marine and he was planning to come to Seattle and settle down there. And we mm -hmm. got talking and uh, ended up just falling in love with each other. And um, he would be gone on the ships for four to six months at a time. Mm -hmm. And I was like, let's figure something else out <laughs> so that we don't have to be apart for so long. Yeah. Um, he has always been, his name is Sebastian. His, he's always been super creative, um, very artistically inclined, ended mm -hmm. up falling in love with printmaking in cool. the more traditional sense, so woodblock printing, um, and was doing that as a hobby for a while. And we, we got to talking and we were like, well, maybe, you know, I love print, you love print, maybe we can start a business together and be able to stay together. So we started researching different ways of printing. I had had uh, internships with letterpress printers in the past and a little bit of experience with screen printing, but Reso was something that was super new to us. Um, so we were, you know, just seeing all of these things online, all of these beautiful prints that were getting created, and we just decided to go in that direction. So we had no experience with Reso printing at all, and we bought two printers without even using them or seeing them. <laughs> <laughs> we had them shipped across the country to Pennsylvania, where we decided to move and start Resolve. Um, mm -hmm. My mom was living out here, and she offered to have us come and start the business in her garage, basically. I was literally like, I hope it was her garage, yeah. Yes. <laughs> it, was, it was partially her garage and then partially part of her living room in her, in yeah. her home. <laughs> uh, That's cool. Yeah. Seattle was just too expensive for us to, to stay there and, and mm -hmm. try to start a business. So with, with the support of being able to have a place to stay and start the business temporarily, we... We just went for it. 
this was five years ago. And so now yeah. we're going strong and that's so cool. Okay. I want to, I want to just dive into that like business side, um, just yeah. for a sec here. So you buy these printers. I don't know how much they cost to be honest. So are you able to share like how much a Rezo printer costs? Yeah. So it depends on if you buy used or new, um, okay. the printers that we bought were both used. They weren't mm-hmm. super old. Um, but I think in total we spent around 20,000 for everything for the printers, for the, all of the different color drums that we use. We so pulled drums all of our savings that. together. Yeah. yeah. And just, yeah. Okay. So you, so you <laughs> have no, <laughs> I love it. You have no yeah. experience in like running a print business in no. print really. And you go, no. you know what, let's drop 20 K get a couple of printers and giddy up. Yes. Yeah, That's amazing. Much. So tell yeah, me that it was terrifying. You, <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course you get these printers, you plug them in, you do a little testing and tuning day yep. one of bit. We're open for business. Tell me about day one. It was just a lot of figuring out how to use the printers, what they could yeah. do, a lot of manual reading. Um, and then, so a lot of planning was done ahead of time. We came up yeah. with a business plan and figured out how much materials were going to cost. And we, you know, we had all of that fairly nailed down before we just dove right into it. <laughs> <laughs> so but, it wasn't like a, what does this cost to print? I don't know, 50 bucks. No, no, but it was yeah, still, had some it was a, yes, it was still a hard and fast learning curve. Um, so there, there weren't and still aren't a lot of resources online mm-hmm. for this type of printing. Um, yeah. So a lot of it was just having to figure it out ourselves. And um, yeah, it was, it was tough. It was a lot of long days and nights in the beginning just to figure it all out. Mm-hmm. So was there like an official day you're open for business or, or what was the very first project that you guys got like from an outside customer? Cause I'm sure you printed your own stuff just to try, but like, yeah, first customer, so, what was that? Well, the way, so the way we started was of course we, I designed some things and we mm-hmm. started printing samples off. Um, but the other way that we started was by reaching out to artists that we liked that we had seen on the internet and saying, Hey, can we publish a book for you? you know, we'll, we'll take your artwork, we'll help set it up for Riso printing, we'll do everything, mm-hmm. we'll, you know, split, split the profits of the books, and you'll receive your own set of books. And we had, I think about four artists that were on board and trusted us and sent us their work and we collaborated. And that helped us just get our foot in the door with saying, yeah. you know, this is what we can do. These are examples of, of the prints that we can create and the zines that we can create. Um, and then I can't remember who our first actual client client was, but it's, it just, it started as a very slow trickle. People saw us on Instagram and started yeah. reaching out for printing and we were just taking on anything and everything at of that course. point. Yes. <laughs> figuring yes. it out, figuring out how to make it look good. And yeah, it just was, a lot of figuring out. Yes. A lot of figuring out in the beginning. And where do you find, where do you think you, you get the majority of your business now? Now, um, it's still online. We still, I think Instagram is still our main platform for how people find us. Um, we are still getting, uh, well now we're, we're getting many more people through Google, which is great. Yeah. Um, but it's mainly individual artists who are printing their own work, 
or small companies that are just looking to print a few specific pieces that are a good mm -hmm. fit for reso printing um, or comic artists wanting to print zines or comics in, in smaller runs. That's so cool. And one of the things that I've, I've said a number of times is Rezo is still like very new to me. I think I've held maybe one, maybe two Rezo projects like in my hand, but yeah. I've never, I've never been part of production of Rezo. Like I came from like offset digital world and yep. only four years ago or so learned about Flexo and added that, um, no more than four years ago for sure now, but, um, Rezo is still one that I'm like pretty, pretty vanilla and like new one. Like I just don't know anything about it. So it's cool to start learning more from following you on Instagram and seeing the kind of stuff you're posting about it and seeing the kind of projects. And just a couple of weeks ago, I did my first Rezo project deep dive on the print design podcast. Oh yeah. I listened um, to that. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So yes. just <laughs> learning, just starting to learn more and more about it. And it's such a really a unique way of printing. It's kind of this hybrid of a couple of different types um, of printing yes. to create these really unique results. Yeah, it's still a very niche printing method. There mm -hmm. aren't a lot of studios that do it. We're one of the few that, that full-time reso print in the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, so it is still super unknown to most people, and it's, a, it's an odd... It's an odd one. It's an odd front method, but it's, it's very cool. <laughs> For sure. All right. I want a little bit more history on, on you, Lindsay, here. So I'm going to kick this one back in time a little bit here and go, sure. what is your earliest memory of printer packaging? Maybe something from your childhood, from your teens? So I have a super, super, super vivid memory of uh, this book that my grandparents had when I was a toddler that I think it was called the Mickey Mouse Scratch and Sniff book. Okay. Um, I was looking it up. I guess it was originally published in the 70s, but they republished it in 1990. Um, mm -hmm. And it's, it's basically each page has a different Scratch and Sniff sticker on it that you scratch and then it smells like whatever the thing is. So mm -hmm. there are these really specific smells like... Um, there's a candy apple one and there is... Uh, like black pepper and clover. And I can remember these smells and I can remember scratching the little sticker on mm -hmm. this book and just wearing it down. I think the association with smell and print, I was just so fascinated by how they got the smell in this book. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's, I love that you say that because one of the things that I, I talk about fairly often is uh, designers and, and and agencies not utilizing scent in their print. Yeah, and yeah, there you never is, really see it. No, you don't. There's a stocked list of you know one of the ink manufacturers out there that I'm come across or I'm familiar with has a list of like 150 to 200 stocked scents, not custom. Really? Like you can get cedar, you can get wet cedar, you can get dry cedar. You can like there's. Uh, I think there's a marijuana scent even. There's oh, wow. like lemons, there's bacon scent, there's barbecue scent. There's all of these different smells, both sweet, savory, fresh, whatever it is. Um, and it's just like print is so tactile and visual. You add smell into that. Oh, come on now. 
Yeah. No, there's something really special about that for sure. I just, for whatever reason, it just like is, I can remember exactly what each page looked like. Just so burned in my memory. <laughs> <laughs> Every time the waiter <laughs> comes by, it's like grating fresh pepper on top of your salad yeah. or something. You go, oh, page seven, <laughs> page seven. Yeah, I remember exactly. that. <laughs> That's so good. Yes, oh, there man. was this mothball scent too. And I mean, you oh. never encounter mothballs in your normal life, but I feel like if I ever were to smell mothballs, I would immediately yeah. be taken to that book. <laughs> you immediately will get page 13 when Goofy went upstairs and he was smelling mothballs or something. Yes, exactly. And the other thing that really stuck with me as a kid was, and I'm sure for a lot of people my age, I collected Pokemon cards. I mm -hmm. still have all of my cards, just really treasured them. Yeah. Um, my husband and I now play Magic the Gathering. He taught me how during the cool. pandemic or, you know, it's still the pandemic, but when we were locked down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so now we, we just casually collect Magic the Gathering cards too. Mm -hmm. And there's something so special about opening up a pack and getting, you know, that one really nicely foiled card. Yeah. So. Yeah, it sort of adds like this sense of excitement. It's like a whole little unboxing experience or unpackaging experience, right? Yes. Yeah. So I recently wrote an article about four reasons why print will is not going away. And okay. one of the one of the items on there was games and collectors like playing cards for nostalgia yes. and stuff. And I mentioned Pokemon. Do you know how many Pokemon cards were printed from March 2021 to March 2022? Take a wild guess. I'll oh, I'll, pre I'll preface this with saying it is the most in a one year period ever. Five million. Eight billion. No. Wow. Eight billion. Amazing. Wow. It's incredible. And just the surge in popularity and all of that. I think there was also an effort to um, drive down the price of like some of the exclusive cards because they didn't want it to be such a non-approachable commodity. They wanted it to I guess, soften the market, I guess, a little bit on some of them. But yeah, yeah. they printed 8 billion Pokemon cards. That's so crazy. If that alone doesn't tell you that people are excited <laughs> about holding print in their hands. Come yes. on. Yep. Oh, yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> so, Lindsay, what about recently? Have you come across any print or packaging recently that you were really surprised by or that you really enjoyed? I think so. I, I seek out a lot of reso printed stuff just mm -hmm. for inspiration and everything else. Um, and there's a publisher out of Chicago called Perfectly Acceptable. Mm -hmm. uh, the guy who runs it, his name is Matt Davis. And they produce some of the most amazing reso printed comic books and art books out there. I mean, we, anytime they release a new book, we, we tend to, to pick it up as quick as we can and <laughs> that. so we have a collection of these books and I was just looking through our collection earlier today and just blown away by the quality of printing is so good that it doesn't it doesn't look like it's reso but but you know that it is if you're familiar with the print method and then yep. he'll combine different print methods for the cover as well like letterpress offset there will be embossing cool. and it's just and die cutting and you know they're just beautiful pieces so they they're always limited editions and sell out so mm -hmm. i always recommend that people get a hold of them while they're available 
That's so cool. What was the name of the, sir? what was the name of them? Perfectly? Perfectly Acceptable. Perfectly Acceptable. Yes. <laughs> I like the name. That's clever. Yep. <laughs> These are perfectly acceptable. Yeah, it's kind of, it's like, you know, Riso tends to be that. It's perfectly acceptable. It's, you know, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> yeah. It's not great, but it's good enough. Let's go. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so in your experience, what do you think makes print, um, how do I word this, print so special to designers? We all know, uh, like, majority of designers that I have met and talked to um, have this little stash of printer packaging that they've come across and stuff that they just can't bring themselves to throw away, this little healthy hoarding stash. Um, yeah. Why do you think they have of that? What makes print so special? I think there's something that's just so tactile about printed things, especially mm -hmm. if it's printed in a more special way, you know, whether mm -hmm. it be spot color offset or letterpress and um, something about the combination of print and paper, just, I, I don't know. And I feel like there, people have always been drawn to print, but especially now that we're on our phones so much and mm -hmm. on the computer so much, it's extra special when you come across something that's really nicely thought out and nicely made. Yep. I, yeah. I also have a collection of, you know, just random <laughs> stuff that I've collected over the years that's mm -hmm. that's been printed that I love and yeah it's just so interesting yeah I have a little healthy stash over in the corner here even like direct mail that I get that's that's different than the boring perforated postcard you get it's like oh yes this is this is different I'm gonna hang on to this just for uh you're just yeah I don't know why I just do <laughs> yeah no I think you know I think you know right away too when something is printed differently mm -hmm. you know like not just a throwaway thing when it's printed in a special way it, it just stands out yeah no i completely agree yeah that's that's why it just neur neurologically i think that's neurologically so much happens when you're holding something and feeling the paper or feeling an emboss that yes. um it sort of bridges this connection that digital and digital fatigue just you know isn't right it just isn't getting there yeah absolutely um, so I want to ask you a little bit about you know, being a printer, and I've, I've worked in printers for many years. There are certain times where a project just goes a little bit sideways. A project just doesn't turn out exactly as hoped at first, and it needs to go back on or needs to be fixed somehow. And I like those stories because it just gives designers who haven't approached print before just another thing to maybe look out for, something they didn't think of before. Um, so I wanted to get and see if you had a project that we could have a look at and chat about that went sideways or just didn't turn out as you had hoped or, or what happened there. Yeah, so I think with Riso printing in general, um, it is such a niche print method that, mm -hmm. especially when we first started, um, we didn't know exactly what outcomes there were going to be. And so we weren't able to inform our clients as well as, as we could have just due yep. to our lack of experience. Mm -hmm. Now, very familiar. Um, I always give clients a heads up if I think that something is not going to look right or if something mm -hmm. is going to look differently than maybe what they might be expecting, um, mm -hmm. which helps mitigate a lot of problems arising. 
but there is a project that we worked on way in the beginning when we first started printing. Um, it's called, it was a project called For the People, and it was a redesign of the uh, U.S. Constitution. Okay. And it was designed by um, Thought Matter, who is a design agency based out of New York. And it's beautifully designed. It's, um, it's all printed in just one color, federal blue, and it's printed on French pop tone um, pink lemonade paper. So the combination of the pink paper and the blue ink is just really nice, very, yeah. very classy, but different looking. Um, and they, they reached out to us for printing this and we were so excited. It was our first really big project that we had done. Um, mm -hmm. And they had funded it through Kickstarter and they were excited cool. to print it as well. I think they had initially planned to print it with someone else, but we came into the world and they, they switched it over to us. Um, nice. <laughs> and I think part of the reason why they did that is because our prices were so low because we yeah. did not charge enough for mm -hmm. the amount of work that was involved because we didn't realize <laughs> um, what makes this book a bit different is it's three different sized basically saddle stitched books inside mm -hmm. of each other so there's a small booklet on the outside there's the large booklet in the middle and then there's a medium sized book that's in the the very center yeah um we at the time didn't really have any binding equipment, didn't have a relationship with a finisher yet. So we did it all ourselves, um, which was crazy. <laughs> and yeah, <laughs> so I, I can just remember hours of um, collating by hand every folded sheet. And we, we bought a, mm -hmm. a big saddle stitcher and got it all set up just for this book and we figured we were going to be doing more books like this so it was you know a necessary piece of equipment for us to have and the books turned out they did turn out great in the end but it ended up taking us oh, just so much time to finish these and i think we we so undercharged on the books that when they came back to us for more mm -hmm. we we had to raise our prices and um it was it was hard to do that to a client that you had just formed a relationship with and i know they were they were outsourcing to other printers mm -hmm. to see if they would be able to get a cheaper price and nobody could do it because it was just crazy <laughs> um so totally. i think you know if you are thinking about designing a book um work with someone who has some experience first as far as printing if it's a more complicated book <laughs> And, yeah. um, you know, it's important to spec out everything before you get into the design phase, before you get into the kickstarting phase. That way you know exactly how much things are going to be. And they had already done the Kickstarter when they reached out to us. So it was all, it was mm -hmm. all post funding and it was, um, just a little bit of a mess in that way. But yeah, it really, it, um, we learned a ton from doing it. We learned so much. We grew a ton um it just yeah it was that was our first real project of being mm -hmm. like oh my god <laughs> what have we done <laughs> what are we doing i think in total over the course of three or four years they printed maybe three or four thousand books with us 
Um, the initial run, I think, was only the initial run, I think, was only maybe two or three hundred books, which at the time felt like a ton. Now, no big deal. And now we have a we have a finisher that we work with. Doing a project like this would be absolutely not a problem. Um, but at the time, it was just we were so new. We didn't know. We didn't know what we didn't know. <laughs> Hey, y'all, thanks for tuning in uh, so far in the podcast. Right now, there's there was this weird like audio glitch or something where it put the timing of our conversations way out. So I just had to like take this little chunk out in the middle here. So if the conversation picks up and it's like, well, that's not quite where they were, I really apologize. Um, I know there was some good stuff in there, um, but the audio was just just unusable. I've never had that happen before with this platform. But, um, but yeah, here we are. So we're going to pick the interview back up with when, when the audio got better. So here we go. No worries. <laughs> so the second project that I wanted to dive into to chat about is this Smokers section journal and activity book. Um, yep. Looking through some of the images of this, it seems like a really fun, quirky project that I would love to just sort of hear a bit more of the story behind. Yeah, so this uh, was a perfect bound book that we printed really recently. Um, I think it was about 70 pages total. Wow. And yeah, created by, I'm going to butcher their names, um, Adria Sestarsik and Paul Haggerty. And Paul Haggerty is the one who designed these. Um, but it's basically a diary that has journal pages for you to keep track of uh, different cannabis strains that you have enjoyed. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. So it's for cannabis smokers to basically record what they've enjoyed. And then there are pages included that um, are like coloring book pages and different activity pages for you to enjoy while, you know, you may be uh, enjoying whatever strain you're enjoying. <laughs> yeah. And again, for this project, I'm going to put a link down in the description of this episode so people can go have a look at the project sort of while they're listening to this. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, it's um, so the, cool. Yeah, the design of it is very 60s, 70s era, very retro. Mm -hmm. It's a really good fit for reso printing because the, the printing yes. itself adds this retro texture to it. Mm -hmm. um, I have one of the books here, and I know if you're listening, you'll not be able to see what I'm showing, but... Um, you can see there are photographs included that That's cool. everything, everything printed in here, it's four colors throughout, um, but there's no black. So it's hunter green is the darkest color and mm -hmm. then scarlet, aqua and yellow. And so even the photos that are included in here, they have, it's almost like, you know, the old Instagram filters <laughs> or an old, if, you know, if you're actually thinking about the real thing that that was based on, you know, mm -hmm. the old Polaroids, um, yes. everything has sort of a funky color tone to it, which just adds to the look in, in a great way. Yeah. I love that you said exactly what I was thinking. As soon as you see like the typography selection and the illustrations and you see that, on this, what looks to be like an, a little bit of an off-white paper, you immediately think like vintage, retro, and then you add risograph and the properties that that brings to print, it, it's a perfect thing. And that's what we were, exactly what we were talking about is having a project that's built for Rezo, knowing what you're gonna get. 
Yep, exactly. They designed this knowing that they wanted it to be reso printed and mm-hmm. knowing that, that it would add even an additional retro vibe to the design that they had done. Um, so it's just, it's a really perfect merging of design and print. I think anything that is designed with this retro look that really focuses on limited spot colors, the cover, for example, is two colors. It's just hunter green and uh, scarlet, which is our red color. Um, it just gives it this really nice, very retro feel that just takes you back to to a time. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a cool piece. Again, the and the way that Rizzo produces like images, like we were talking about before, it still amazes me that you know for seventy pages in a book, you're putting it through the Rizzo machine so many times to like get yes to get those, to create those photos. You're basically like building the layers of an image. Yep, exactly. Yep. And, you know, again, registration varies throughout, but it yep. just enhances that that old retro printing look. And yep. um, for these, we were, they're, uh, they're on the smaller side. They're, um, I think, four and a quarter by seven inches. So we were able to fit four pages up on a press awesome. sheet. Which helps. Um, which helps a ton. Yeah. Yep. Any any smaller sized book where you can print more pages is <laughs> going to be easier from the printing part of it. Um, but it was it was really fun for us to print and produce, and I got to help with the the file setup on these. Um, you know, converting everything to spot colors, and it was just it was just a very satisfying book to to work on. That's so nice. And how many of those copies did, or how many books did they produce? I think we did 300. Okay. Um, let me see if I wrote that down somewhere. I think it was around, it was around 300. What are you, what is the sort of longest run you've done on the Rezo equipment? Like the, the most of one thing or? Yeah. Yeah. Like the longest sort of continuous print run of, of an image. Cause I don't know if, again, my lack of knowledge when it comes to Rezo, I know that when you're printing offset, the aluminum plates that you've laser etched, you'll get like maybe a hundred thousand or so impressions out of that before you need to replace it. Um, yeah. because the image is wearing out. Do you have a similar thing with Rezo where you need to create multiple drums? Yeah. So, uh, I think it's around the 400 quantity mark is when really? it can it can start to deteriorate a little bit. Um, you can push it for sure. You can push you can push it. Um, we have one ink that is metallic and it's called metallic gold. Um, and that one we tend to change it around every 100 impressions, yep. just because the amount of metallic pigment builds so up. So you're literally pushing metallic flakes through little holes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and the screen doesn't like that very much. So yeah. <laughs> it, it, it does fade in time. Um, we've done, we've done, it depends on how much ink too is, is on the master. If it's just text, um, we typically don't need to change it for, mm-hmm. you know, we could do like 8,000 probably and not have to, yeah. not have to make a new, um, master, but yeah, it really, it just varies and it depends on how, um, how clean and and perfect you're trying to, to get the printing as well. Mm -hmm. So the other, um, thing I was, was kind of wondering selfishly about this is 
how do you make a plate? Like how, how is that done? And is that a, a fast process, an expensive process? Like what is that all about? Yeah, so it's really, it's very cool with Riso. Um, <laughs> so Riso printing evolved from mimeograph printing. And if you are of the older generation, then you, you know, recognize what that is. You remember the smell of the mimeograph ink, um, but it's a stencil-based print method. So it exists kind of in the realm between screen printing and offset, um, but it's its own thing. So what happens with the, the printers that we have is, um, so the, the stencil is called a master in okay. Riso printing, and there is a master material, which is um, this thin, papery, waxy material. And uh, there's a thermal, print head inside of the printer and so you send your grayscale separation to print and the thermal print head will melt a stencil onto that that master material okay. <laughs> it all happens internally inside of the printer oh um, okay okay yep so while while that's happen happening it it wraps the stencil around the drum cylinder and so we have a different drum cylinder for each ink color that we print with. So we have 33 drums because we have 33 different colors. Yeah. Um, so that stencil all, all happening internally in the machine, which is amazing. So the stencil's wrapped around and uh, ink is pushed, you know, the drum spins, ink is pushed through the stencil onto the paper. And that is how the prints are made. Um, and then when you are done with that stencil, it gets disposed of inside of the machine as well. So there's a little tray that pulls out that all of the, the stencils live in and you just empty it out when it's full. And it's, um, it's really, it's great. So it's, that's why this is perfect for an office space because everything yeah. just happens inside of the printer itself. Everything's pretty much contained. Exactly. Yeah. So, so it's not good. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was, I was just going to say, gonna say. So <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> so, so the 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 master that wraps around like each individual cylinder. So yes. when when it discards one, does it automatically wrap another one around? So you're just like ready to go next job. Yep. Yeah. So that the master will just stay on the drum until you're ready to to make another print, and then yep. it all just happens seamlessly. It discards the one master, puts the new one back on. Cool. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, um, so it's obviously not as much setup and uh, washing and exposing as screen printing is. And it all just happens right inside of, of the machine itself, which is uh, very handy. <laughs> yeah. So kind of like screen printing, but not kind of like digital, but not kind of like offset, but not. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's own but, little underground category. Yeah. No, it is. So there's actually a book. Uh, that, w that came out, I think it was right around when we started our studio. It's called um, Riso Mania, okay. The New Spirit of Printing. And that book has an excellent first section in it where it really goes through the history of Riso printing, the company Riso itself, the history of stencil printing. It's super extensive. So if you want to deep dive on how, you know, all of this works and what the history yeah. is, uh, that's what I would recommend. I'm definitely going to look at that, and I'll also put the um, description of that book if I find a link to it. 
um, down in the yeah. description of this episode. So anything we talked about, people can access the visuals of and look into it, learn more about Rezo and stuff like that as well. That's great. I looked it up earlier today just to make sure that it's still available. And, and <laughs> it looks like you can you can buy it. So <laughs> okay, awesome. I'll look that up. Then. Yes, um, <laughs> Lindsay. That's like. I don't know what else to ask. I mean, there's so much more I would love to learn about Rezo, but I kind of want to like be there and see it and, and get hands on. Yeah, um, I think that's true for a lot of people. And it does, yeah. it is nice to be able to see what's happening. And, you know, you definitely learn through through seeing and, and being able to just produce the prints yourself. Um, so hopefully that, I've done an okay job of explaining. <laughs> yeah, tech, totally. Yeah, yeah, totally understand more about it than I ever did before. Um, yeah, that's the great thing about print and, and why I always encourage designers to go for press checks for different for for print stuff when they're printing it, whether it's Rezo or Offset or whatever it is, go see it, because once you see the process and see what's involved and you're actually there, you can ask questions and you learn and you see the environment and there's so much value in going to, yeah. to press check things if you're able to. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, Lindsay, to wrap this up, where can people find more about you and Resolve and what you guys got cooking? Yeah, so uh, we have a website. It's resolvestudio.com. And Resolve is spelled with an I as a nod to Reso. Um, nice. We're on Instagram at Resolve, and we're on TikTok and YouTube at Resolve Studio. Um, so feel free to hit us up on any of those platforms or email us if, if you have questions. <laughs> nice. And how's the TikTok working for you? Oh, gosh, it's a learning curve for sure. I, oh, I'm massive, trying, right? I'm, I'm trying not to feel like I'm too old to, to do it. but <laughs> You and me both. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, I've been spending a lot more time on TikTok just trying to understand it. And I think I'm yeah. starting to, to get my foot in the door, but it's, it's been, it hasn't been easy. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah. Lindsay, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to hop on here, teach us all about Rezo, talk about some pretty awesome projects. Um, and again, I'll put links to all of the stuff that we talked about in this episode down in the description so people can quickly access that and, and access your, your business and check it, everything out there. Um, so That's thank great. you for being my guest today. Yeah, thanks for talking with me, Dave. It was really fun. All right, everybody, that is the end of today's conversation. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Again, if you're ready to start learning print design and how to create incredible print and packaging and put it out in the world so your friends are jealous and you got this shelf of awesome print design that you can show off and you go out in the grocery stores and there's packaging and stuff that you designed, all that, if you want those feels, head over to printdesignacademy.com and let us help you overcome those walls, those hurdles that you run into when you want to create great print and put it out in the world. Also, thank you so much for bearing with me on this episode. I'm sorry for the little audio glitches there. The, the bit of conversation that ended up getting cut that you ended up missing was just sort of emphasizing and talking about how many times a sheet needs to go through the Rizzo printer when you're printing multiple colors. And it was just sort of like, oh my gosh, like it, it takes a lot of work to put together these multi-page, multi-color Rizzo projects, um, but they look so cool. So it's worth it. Thanks again for tuning in. And if you're digging what you're hearing here on the Print Design Podcast, head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, leave a rating and a review. They make me smile. Thanks. And we'll see you next week.